Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. From 93, 1993 to around 97, it was a very heady time in my life at Dallas Seminary. Immersed in theological studies over and over again. And also it was a very challenging time in my life because as many of you know, during um, the 90s, I took care of my grandmother. I was her sole caretaker. I was just a, a young guy who was just saved. I was still very much what we would call a punk. And I had no idea how to take care of my aging, ailing grandmother. And the Lord um, took me through and her through a very difficult and trying time. And I had a lot of emotions going on during that time from my intellectual studies and taking care of my grandmother during the difficult time that I would break away and I would drive to Oklahoma or all over Texas to see Dennis Jernigan in concert. I saw him probably about 10 to 15 uh, times of worship during that time. And I'm not sure what it, what it was, but I think part of it is having truth mixed with emotions. I had a lot of emotions in me as I was dealing with my grandmother that I couldn't, didn't know what to do with. And my mind is filled with a lot of truth from seminary. And as I would go to Jernigan concerts, I think the combination was he was like a psalmist. A psalmist that would mix the truth with emotions. And it's exactly what I needed then and it's exactly what I need now. Where we are grounded in truth and yet there's something that acknowledges that we are emotional beings. We have things that go on in our lives and emotions at times we are not quite sure what to do with or how to deal with. And as I knew that Dennis was coming this day, I thought today will be the day we take a break from going through the book of Joshua. We'll pick it up again next week. But this morning I want to talk to you about, maybe you've never heard a sermon before, but I want to give a sermon on emotions. Because we are emotionally complex beings. We have a lot of strong emotions that sometimes can grab a hold of our lives and won't let go. There's a book that I just finished reading recently, it's so good. It's called uh, Untangling Emotions. It's from a group called CCEF. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, Christian Counseling Educational Foundation. I, I recommend a lot of their books uh, in preaching. Really good book to talk about. What do we do with all these emotions and that we're feeling at times? How do we untangle those? How do those all mix together? There's also an article that goes along these same lines by biblical and author, counselor, uh, Ed Welch. And his article is called this, Strong Emotions, Extreme Confidence. Strong Emotions, Extreme Confidence. And the gist of the article is that when an emotion is strong, it can rule your life. When you have an emotion that's strong, you, you can buy into what it's saying and feel confident that whatever this emotion is saying is true, regardless of reality, regardless of what God says. Uh, let me show you how this works. Let's do a little exercise here that Ed Welch does. Okay, 
You ever, you ever get angry? Occasionally. Okay. Try telling anger that it might be wrong. Right or wrong, anger is always confidence. There's no ambivalence. There's no shades of gray. Anger is always very sure of itself. How about those of you who feel fearful? Try telling fear that there will be grace for tomorrow. How about mania? Try telling mania that its choices might have horrible consequences. If you know anything about mania, you know that mania is always certain that everything will go well. Put your life savings down on lucky number seven. You're sure it will pay off, and if it doesn't, no worries. Everything will be fine. How about depression? Try telling depression anything good. Is there any interpretation of reality that is more stubborn than depression? Any strong emotions in your life right now? Any strong emotions in your life right now that are trying to take over your life? That they're so confident that no matter what, you must give in to them. Contrary to what God says, contrary to reality, they're trying to take over your life. And if you don't have those emotions now, soon enough they will come and they will try to grab a hold of you. And what's going on with these emotions is that they reveal our hearts and they reveal issues that need to be addressed. So many times when I have emotions, I think the goal is, is to somehow find a trick to feel emotionless. And I'm not trying to throw that at you this morning. We're not trying to be unemotional humans. But we're going to talk this morning about what do we do with these emotions? How do we handle them? And how do we bring them before God. And there's a variety of emotions we could talk about from anger to anxiety to fear, but I'm going to push all those aside. And for this morning, I'm going to focus on one strong emotion. And that is the emotion of what you could call despondency, despair, depression, hopelessness and I know some of you may be there right now in that emotion it's got its grip on you and by God's grace the goal is to give you some hope so that overconfident emotion doesn't ruin and rule your life well this morning we're going to look around at a variety of proverbs and rather than have you turn to every passage, I'm going to put each passage up on the screen. We don't usually do it that way, but it'll probably be the easiest to follow this morning as we consider the book of Proverbs with regard to emotions. Let's start with Proverbs 18.14. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? Now just focus on the first part of that verse. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness. The idea is that a good attitude and mindset can endure sickness and suffering. Some of you have the best attitudes in your sickness. I was discussing with the elders on Thursday on how men make terrible patients. 
And all the women said, amen. <laughs> you ever take care of your husband when he's sick? Oh, it's the end of the world. Well, the idea here is that there is a certain spirit and heart that can cope and endure through hard times. Look, listen to this in Proverbs 17, 22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Once again, just focus on the first part of the verse. A heart that is full of joy is good medicine that no matter what the circumstances are in life. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul and Silas, right? They're beaten, they're locked in prison, and what are they doing? Singing, singing hymns and praising God. So the joy we're talking about is not circumstantial. Sometimes you think, you're going to read the Bible, and the Bible's going to tell you how to change your circumstances so you can finally have joy. Not usually the case, right? It's talking about joy no matter the circumstances. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote to a variety of churches who were undergoing persecutions and suffering, he doesn't pray for their circumstances to change. But he prays things like this. Let me put this up for you. Ephesians 3, 14, and 16. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. To be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. The prayer is not God change the circumstances, get rid of the persecution. It's God strengthen them inwardly, no matter how hard the circumstances. That's what God wants to do in us. And the reason why our spirits need to be strengthened inwardly is because they are often crushed. Let's revisit the two verses we just saw, going back to Proverbs 18.14. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear and then Proverbs 17, 22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A crushed spirit can take you out faster than a crushed body. When we have, in a sense, lost the will to live and to function, hopeless despair can take over where the depressed person can say, I'm, I'm done. And it's like you're wasting away as a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Dry bones are, are not full of muscle and fat, but are, but are skinny and withering away as depression takes a toll on your body and it can attack anyone at any time. One of my favorite professors at Dallas Seminary, and many of you know him, Howard Hendricks, and you know him as one of the greatest teachers at Dallas Seminary. He would speak all over the country and all over the world, teaching people how to study the Word of God. Struggled with depression, like hardcore. Like he would speak to a large crowd on Sunday, and he would be crushed and immobile on Monday as the dark cloud would hover around him and over him. My wife went to a church uh, at um, North Texas in Denton, Denton Bible Church, and the pastor there is Tommy Nelson. Same thing, depression. Famous preacher Charles Spurgeon, dark clouds hovering around him all the time. 
book that you guys read all the time, my famous author, Randy Alcorn, same thing. These are great spiritual men of God from time to time and even sometimes their whole lives immobilized by darkness. And I've had seasons as well. I've had seasons where you would think everything should be awesome. And yet there is a darkness that is descending and it seems like the clouds will not break. And you gotta wonder, what's the deal? What causes this? What is going on inside that this is somehow trying to take over me and rule and ruin my life right now? What is it? I mean, we could talk about a lot of things. For example, it could be um, unfulfilled longings. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. <laughs> you know, when you're pr- praying for someone to change and to come to Jesus, uh, like your child, you want your child to know Christ, there's something in you that could, oh, just this unfulfilled longing, and it makes your heart sick. I just came from a, a church where it's mainly college students and those uh, millennials in the urban area, and it is amazing. One of the most crushing things that some of the young married couples experience is infertility. And I mean, maybe you have some of your children who suffer with this. Maybe you did at one time. It is very crushing, and there's like darkness that has descended upon them. Well, there are also relational issues that can crush the spirit. Proverbs 12:4, consider marriage. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. You see that? The wife who shames him zaps his strength like rottenness in his bones. A foolish spouse who is not fulfilling their marriage role can eat away at you and destroy you. And, and many of you are silent sufferers in your marriage. You show up, you worship, you praise God, but there is like something inside that is very disturbed. It's almost like you're walking around in this zombie-like state where there's this rottenness in your bones. And we could go on like this for a long time. Things that cause depression, despondency, despair, hopelessness. Maybe it's a moral issue. Maybe some of you are actually in sin And along with that sin is despair and depression. Maybe some of you feel this despair because it is a real spiritual attack from the enemy. Or maybe it's chemical, physical, or or hormonal. It's relational. It's circumstantial. Maybe it can be a combination of factors. And you think, well, well, I just want to get rid of it. How can I get rid of it? Well, you say, okay, well, maybe... You need to repent of some sin. Maybe, uh, just just saying, you need to get on the right medication, exercise and eat. Maybe it could be total physical going on. Maybe it's got to be like some spiritual warfare. I can't lay that out for you, but prayer and the word. Or maybe it's going to be through counseling and through some relational issues. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could say that could make the darkness lift. But what I want to focus on right now is what do you do when the darkness doesn't lift, when the clouds do not part, where the despair seems to linger and hopelessness seems to be the order of the day, 
What do you do then? A few minutes I have left with you. I want to just throw out some things that may be helpful and encouraging for you, maybe. I think so. Number one, suffering is a reoccurring part of life. Suffering is a reoccurring part of life. Proverbs 14, 13 says, Even in laughter the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. Happiness in this life has limits. We live in such a happy place here in the village. We move here to be happy. But we all know that happiness in this life has limits. And if we're really honest, we often move from sorrow to sorrow with occasional bouts of laughter. And understanding this helps us to come to grips in a broken world as we face these strong emotions and as we administer to other people that have these emotions. Because just about everybody has a story of pain and of ache. And we don't need to pretend like we aren't suffering. And we don't need to pretend like good people don't suffer. Suffering is a reoccurring part of life. Now, the second thing I'm going to tell you, you're going to think, well, that's a Sunday school answer that I've heard uh, my whole life, but I'm going to press it home to you this morning that God is with us in suffering. God knows what's going on inside of you. I can't see your heart to the full extent of what's going on, but God sees. Proverbs 14 says, the heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. No one can really see the full extent of your joys or sorrows of your heart. And so we need to be careful judging the motives of others because they may be dealing with something that is devastating and something that's deeply painful. But we can't say that about God because God knows what's going on in your heart. He knows the full extent of your sorrows. He knows the full extent of your pain. And he is with you in your suffering. And we can't say, God, there's no way you have an idea because you're up there, we're down here, you have no clue. We never say that. Because Jesus entered into the fullness of our humanity. And while Jesus was here on this earth, he felt strong emotions. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. When Jesus was here on this earth, he felt strong emotions. He's not like us. He didn't give in to them and fall into sin. But while he was here, he felt strong emotions. We have some passages that say that he felt compassion so deep in his gut for people. We also see that he shed tears as his friend Lazarus lay and was dead. He also shed tears over cities who would not repent and come to Jesus. And you say, well, Jesus was also full of joy. Yeah, he was full of joy, but the verses that talk about his joy, it's a joy that's headed to the cross. I don't know what pictures you've seen of Jesus, of a chipper Jesus, always smiling, and yet the Bible calls him a man of sorrows. The book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 3 and 4, says he was despised and forsaken of men. There it is, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. 
Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. I'm going to slow down right here. Jesus bore the full extent of a broken world by suffering in the body on the cross for our sins. And we contributed to his sorrows and suffering. And yet the one who bore our sorrows and sufferings, it was our fault. It's that one right there that we are told also sympathizes with us in our weakness. The one who loves us in our suffering. The one that we cause pain to loves us. He loves us so much that he went to the cross for us to die for our sins, to reconcile us back to the Father. And this man of sorrows through his life, death, and resurrection, he now can say, and we now can believe that that man of sorrows, the great God-man, the highly exalted one at the right hand of the Father, that one right there sympathizes with you in your weakness. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, the one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. <laughs> so as we suffer with, with sin and temptations and strong emotions, we are told that Jesus can sympathize with us because he knows what we're going through because he has been here. And not only can he sympathize with us, but he can give us mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And for me, what that means is we better get bold. <laughs> we better get bold because we can approach the one for mercy and grace during our time of need. Not only should we be bold, but we should be honest. We should say, God, this is what is going on with me. This is the emotion that I'm feeling. I'm bringing it to you. And God is not going to shut you down because Lord Jesus Christ sympathizes with you because he's been here. And the last thing I want to say as we suffer with maybe sometimes darkness and despair is that the body of Christ can be full of life-giving words being given and received. There's something about just the right words, the right time, that can bring refreshment to you and others. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Something about a word of encouragement and wisdom at just the right time that can, can turn your disposition around. Proverbs 15, 30. Bright eyes gladden the heart. Good news puts fat on the bones. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. That seems to say that this church is loaded with encouraging words to build you up. But what's interesting that in our darkness, the last thing we want to do is be around people. And yet that's what you probably need the most. 
not to hole up, but to get out and to be around other people that can speak life-giving words into your heart that can build you up. So if you're feeling good right now, make a mental note that when you're not going to feel good in the future, when it comes, do not separate from fellowship. Do not separate from the body of Christ. Keep pressing in when you want to run away. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We've already established the fact that when the darkness comes upon us, we need to be honest with God. And I think kind of in the remaining time that we have this morning, it should be a time of honesty before God. We've also established the fact that we need to be around other believers that can build us up. And we're going to have some people that are going to be available to pray for you. The way we have it set up is we have a prayer room over here. Uh, When you exit, it'll be to the right. There'll be some people in there to pray for you. But as we have people speak encouraging words into our hearts, and as we're honest with God, there's one more thing I'm, I'm I'm just wondering if we should do this morning. I think we should. Pray for miracles. We pray for you to be healed in your sickness, right? Do, do we mean, I get prayer requests from this church daily basis, two to three times a day, and it's often something physical. But I think we should also pray for miracles when something emotional is going on and when the darkness won't lift. Because maybe God in His grace wants to work a miracle in that area as well. I have a, little, a letter to share with you that came from an, an, an older woman that I knew years ago who showed up at church one day in her darkness and depression and just simply minding her own business. This is what she said. She says, I have periodically attended your church. And one of those times was in the spring while I was recovering from a serious and terrifying episode of suicidal depression that had gripped me for most of a year. Although drugs had some impact on some of the symptoms, they never completely took away the utter numbness and desire to die. I was so debilitated emotionally, spiritually, and physically that my husband, we are retired, had to take over most of the household work and direct me through my days. Though I've been saved for many years, I was sure that God had utterly deserted me. And on that day she was there, we made a prayer call. She says a prayer call was offered after communion. I went forward to be prayed for. I explained that I'd been quite depressed and was in the process of recovering it, and I would like God's guidance. (laughs) But she needed more than God's guidance because the prayer that was prayed for her was this. Almighty God, cause her to fall so in love with Jesus that there is no space left in her for this depression. And then she says, I felt like I had been struck. My heart was pounding, and I was actually dizzy as I made it back to my seat. Clearly, something had happened. Over the next week, most of the remaining depression lifted. I'm alive today because he was present enough to prevent me from taking my own life the many times I wanted. Nothing as much as I wanted death. Am I healed? Lord God, you know. 
Obviously, I am for the time being. Am I permanently healed, Lord God, you know. This I don't know, but what I do know is that it doesn't really matter because I'm not afraid. I'm filled with faith and trust, faith in the one true God. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.